about go ask alice yes the young adult classic uh this is actually i believe the first book that we've done the first literary dump um yeah but also poop fiction yeah (laughs) oh my god it's also i think the fastest turnaround that we've had like cranked an episode out in because parks hit me up like last week like oh like pretty much like a week to the day and and was like like hey we should do uh, go ask Alice the book as a culture dump, and then I think the next day I bought a copy, uh, and then then it came, and then we both yeah. read it, didn't fucking put it together, and now here we are recording. It's like it never happens that fast, folks. Like any idea yeah. that we've had or any episode that you've heard, that's something that we've had on a list for a long time. This was like beginning. This was like some South Park six days to air shit. Yeah, hooked you in. Yeah, I was actually. I so I was. Uh, I had a weird moment in houston where i got stuck in a uh, in that crazy snowstorm and i was watching i was with someone and she only had like three movies saved on her laptop because we <laughs> didn't have power and one of the movies was diary of a teenage girl which is about a teenage girl who ends up having sex with her stepfather and it's kind of this crazy insane thing but it takes place in the 70s and i was like holy shit this movie is reminding me of go ask alice which is something i had not thought about in many years right um so i was like whoa this is this is a dump this is a dump that like (laughs) this is like something the dog buried in the backyard like i have not just and then I was and then I messaged you about it and you were all into it. I was like, oh shit! So it's I think it's a great one. We're both like really excited about it. And um, yeah, there, there's, there's a, a lot, lot here. Yeah, it, well, it's one of those, it's one of those perfect like uh, culture dump topics because it's one of those where it's like there's like half a side where it's like you really you know we really aren't joking about it you know what i mean and there is like this like a serious edge to it uh Mm -hmm. undoubtedly but like everything surrounding that edge is total fucking bullshit and culture dump worthy and hilarious and it's like exactly like the so the book and we'll we'll, you know get into what it's actually about but it's a you know it's a young adult book so it's basically made like written for ages you know 13 to 17 you know and that's it's pretty much the only age where you could even buy into this shit, you know, yeah. unless you live yeah, like a very exactly. sheltered life. Um, but also, right. you know, the, yeah, the, there was a movie made and this was like mandatory reading in a lot of classes. It reminds me of a class I took in junior high called Teen Issues. And in the class mm-hmm. Teen Issues, uh, like you would it. learn about sex and you would learn about drugs and like self-esteem. Like I remember we watched a video called Cypher in the Snow, which is about this kid who's just kind of like a loner, like at school, doesn't really have any friends. Like his parents just like, oh, how was school today? Fine. Like door shuts. Mm-hmm. And he just dies one day. He just just dies in the snow because he was so lonely and didn't talk to anyone and it's like what the fuck but then also we watched one or we didn't watch what we 
like the main thing with teen issues was you would get a baby. Like they would give you a robot yeah. baby that was heavy. You had to take care of it. And you had to take care of it. And the way you would take care of it is like the thing was on a timer that the teacher would set. And then like it would be in this lockbox thing. So you couldn't like break into your baby and it would just start crying. And so you'd see kids around school pushing a stroller around, which is like so goofy. Cause like in the suburbs where I grew up, like, I'm sorry, if you're pregnant or you have a baby, like you're not going to school. Like you right, know, right, They're, yeah. they're not going to have you walk around school with a baby in a stroller. But when it would cry, you would have this little key and you'd have to hold the baby and keep the key turned until it stopped. And it was like the right. fucking most ridiculous oh thing. But Go Ask Alice is such a book yeah. that you would read in a class called Teen Issues. Yeah, exactly. File file this under like um, attempts of adults to connect with the youth in a bizarre and weird way. But we'll get into it. So go ask Alice. Uh, why is it a culture dump? It is a hugely successful book that claimed to be the real diary of a teenage girl who chronicles her descent into a drug fueled nightmare. The subject was relevant during its release in the early 70s when many people were starting to realize that the drug culture of the swinging 60s had some really harsh consequences. Mm -hmm. But the dump of it is that it is almost certainly a fake book and evidence strongly suggests that this book was written by a 50-year-old Mormon woman, not a 15-year-old teenage girl. Right. In addition to this, the realization was delayed about 20 or so years and... So this book kind of had multiple generations of being popular. And personally, I read it when I was in middle school. It scared the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like the it scared, overall it scared consensus. scared a bunch of teenagers. So right. yeah, it, it, it had a long, it had a slow fuse to burn of people even realizing that this might have been a fake. Um, but just to let you guys know, as listeners, uh, we're going to be discussing drug abuse Suicide, sexual assault, and rape. So just throwing that out there from the beginning because that's all. Yes, the not the not funny book. parts, you know. And again, folks, right. if this was an actual diary of a 15 year old girl, and you know, like when we say like there's a lot of proof that it wasn't written by a 15 year old, no, 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 we know for well, sure, you know, it, it, it was right. not. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I only say that because she never admitted it and right. there was never like a trial, but we'll get into it. And I mean, it really, right. I think you'll be convinced that this was not, this was written by this woman and not by this right. girl. So, it's, a, it's a literary farce. But yeah, but you know, the, yeah. obviously the themes of which, you know, are, are pretty serious and that kind of makes it even more ridiculous because it's like, right. you know, it's it's like an adult telling you about a friend of a friend. And exactly. like every like all the yeah, details yeah. are lost and and yeah it's great but all right. right I I yeah I remember like in fifth grade like we would like we were all learning like I, I might have told this on the podcast but we would all throw up like the West Side like gang sign thing as like little <laughs> kids and I just remember like my teacher like like told this story where she was like I knew a friend. Or I knew this girl who was in a gang and then she tried to get out of the gang and they tied her up on the train tracks and there was like train tracks near our school. So it was like those train tracks like, on this right very there. night at yeah, midnight yeah, exactly. with kids just <laughs> so, like so us. This is this is that the book. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it's great because I read it in middle school and then I read it again. So like we're, we've started a fucking book club now, which is great. So two very different interpretations of reading it when you have the intended audience and then when you look at it with all the stuff we know about it now so let's just get into i'll try to condense the plot i don't 
really think this is that great of a book, so I'm going to try and like <laughs> just cover the the plot. It's as a good YA as I can. novel. I mean, it's not um, going to be fucking. There's Moby much Dick. better YA. There's much better YA. Yeah. Well, I um, can think of so, uh, Speak for one. By the way, I'm throwing. I'm trying to get yeah. as obscure as possible with my YA references here. Um. So basically, so the title "Go Ask Alice." is a reference to the Jefferson Airplane song, White Rabbit, which we that's what was like our little intro. We, right. You know, everyone's heard this song. A way sicker and, version, uh, though. Yeah, yeah way, <laughs> way nastier. Um, but so the singer Grace Slick of Jefferson Airplane, she's referring to Alice in Wonderland, Go Ask Alice. And that song, the Jefferson Airplane song, is like probably that and the Disney movie, the animated one right. in the 50s. Like I think those two things like really, really heavily contributed to the the association of Alice in Wonderland and psychedelic drug culture. Right. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, to this day, you know, like even like the, you know, to the no, yeah. the, I would I would almost I would want to say that that like taking drugs and thinking about Alice in Wonderland would be a dump in itself, except <laughs> for it seems to keep getting legs. It like somehow is. I mean, I think it's really stupid, but it somehow is like like maybe with EDM culture, it seemed like it got this new Wonderland, life again, and yeah. it's still just like, oh, dude, Alice in Wonderland, you know? Like yeah. Snoop Dogg had an album called Malice in Wonderland. Well, and there so was, like, oh man, uh, I, I I forget the fucking name uh, of it, but it was like late 90s, early 2000s, like it was like a dark Alice in Wonderland like, like oh yeah you, you know what i'm talking Seems about like it yeah and it was like yeah, and then they'd have like, like action art. figures and stuff yeah and of course yeah, yeah all, like all that sexy shit. alice and like it seems like a head shop thing to like you have the the hookah smoking caterpillar which i was like the, hookah the smoking cat- caterpillar that sounds like a fucking wi-fi password now like <laughs> it's just it's been so overused but at the time like the song white rabbit was hugely successful and i mean i still can find it in my heart to enjoy that song in sure. the right context um and yeah it just so it was first off the title of it very brilliant like com- it did do a very good job of like kind of captivating uh the audience and the times of the 60s um so again this is supposed to be this real diary in that takes place in 1968 a 15 year old girl who is anonymous so she's not alice right M- major anonymous. misconception yes yes uh, she starts to keep a diary. She's uh, relating her thoughts about her weight issues, her crushes, fitting into school, her family relationship. Pretty being normal a stuff. You, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it starts mm-hmm. off normal enough. But and, uh, you know, granted, people spoke differently and slang was different, you know, in, in the 60s yeah. and 70s. But like right off the fucking bat, like no teenager talks this way. Like, like they don't right. speak like this and they certainly don't write. Uh, in the way that that it's written and it comes across like super early on if you're looking for that you know what i mean but uh yeah and and also the concept too is so ridiculous you're like like a a middle school like when i read it like and you don't necessarily like it there are moments that are very passable right there are yeah it's not like a complete it's not like a complete failure there's enough little moments of things like, yeah, and I mean, when you're younger, you do write things very simply. So, like, there are lots of moments of that that I do think kind of, you know, and the idea that it's a diary, so it's not, I don't know, it's not supposed to be written in a certain way. Right. Again, yeah. a lot of, you know, it, it, it really did was effective in that. So she's this, like, sad teenager. She's, like, a misfit. Uh, her father, like, takes a job in a new town. So then you have this classic 
theme of like the struggle to fit in at a new high school and like the new school scenario. So so that's mm. kind of setting the scene for the sad girl who can't fit in. So she like finally gets invited to some party with these cool kids or whatever. And they play this version <laughs> of a kid's game called Button Button Who's Got the Button, which I, I'd never heard of. Me neither. But it is a real game. It's a real game and it's essentially the the game that they play is they have like <laughs> I think it's like 14 cans of Coke and 10 of the cans have LSD in them. So you're randomly passing them out. Everyone's drinking a can, but you don't know who's going to get acid. And but Alice or the narrator, she doesn't even know what like that acid's in it. So she doesn't right, even know she's exactly. playing this game. So she gets hardcore dosed and she like which takes seems like acid for the first time. It seems like that was happening a lot. Like I, I mean throughout yeah. this throughout this whole book there's a lot of people taking acid without knowing about it and nowadays right. like like in the realm of people that like take drugs recreationally that is like a fucking offense punishable by death. Like you don't that is lay someone cool. with fucking anything. You know, That's anything, cool, but like but to lay someone with does, LSD in like a casual social yeah. situation, especially when they've never done it. Like, what the fuck? But I get like we just didn't. Right. They didn't know better back but then, I guess. There are definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of accounts of this happening in the 60s. So I do think that like the idea of being dosed like it, that conforms to kind of like what it seems like happened. Like people were just fucking do slipping acid in everything. Right. And thought it was cool because they were trying to turn everyone on. Yeah. So. She loves acid a lot, <laughs> and that's a great this time. Is where it, it starts to get a little suspect, and we're gonna we're both gonna be reading uh, some clips here from this book. My favorite is while when she is on acid, uh, she says, "My senses were so up, I could hear someone breathing in the house next door." And I could smell someone miles away making orange and red and green ribbed jello. <laughs> That's that strong shit. That's good. Yeah. That smelling, but like <laughs> smelling jello miles away. Smello. Hey. Yeah, but dude. <laughs> no, it, it that's ridiculous. And it's again. Crazy. Like the way that the at, like the trip is described is like here like all of a sudden I knew every language in the world and all the stuff. It's like no, like if you take the amount of acid that was slipped to her without knowing, you're like in a ball in the corner, right? Like freaking right. the fuck out. But I guess you know anonymous was was kind of like a party girl. But real quick, like yeah. th the idea that this is a found diary. You know, that right, that right. was then published. Mm -hmm. But in the very start of the book, it says, you know, this is a real diary. The name of the person has been excluded to, you know, protect her, you know, identity, whatever. But then it says that it's like a, a series of diaries, but also things written on paper bags and pieces of trash and like right. kept over. It's like As pretty life got shittier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pretty convenient that uh, all of this was kept, you know, throughout. The, the, right. This whole thing and pretty convenient that it was uh, laid out in such a way that it could be made into a best-selling book. Just uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> no, it's it's very very convenient. Though it's also funny because I was reading. Uh, I learned that the uh, the front page of the book where it has all the like the public publishing technical information is called the front matter. Right. And in that, it's the book is classified as a fiction. So uh -huh. that that and it's and that and maybe because I have like a 2006 edition, maybe they like changed it or something. Right. Um, but anyway, so 
so she just like loves acid. And then one of the things that a lot of people have kind of pointed out about the ridiculousness of it is that in the diary, eight days after being dosed ass for the first time, she injects speed into her arm. <laughs> it's a slippery so, like, slope. This is, <laughs> yeah, and like, her case getting... really slippery. Right. So she like so now she's just like suddenly she's like this full blown hippie. She's taking acid. She's fucking <laughs> injecting speed. She's stealing upper she's like stealing sleeping pills from her grandparents and then somehow she's also taking like uppers too and there's right. that great like benzos dexies torpedoes like all that yeah language. reds reds yeah. bennies black beauties yeah Just, yeah all, all of the stuff, great which, pills of, of back in the day uh for but sure she hasn't but, yeah. tried weed yet she does right. all this shit she's before smoking <laughs> weed she's saving that for a special occasion right so it's, a lot of people have pointed out and like again, again now when I'm in middle school reading this shit, I don't know the order of operations. Like I'm just like, wow, she's doing drugs. Like yeah, but like goddamn, like nine times out of ten, you're gonna try weed first. Like weed or booze, well, weed, booze, and cigarettes. And so like, those are gonna be the first ones. Like when I don't she, know. It's yeah, ex wild. Ex exactly. Or and, like injecting, I guess now pills. Yeah, but still, but like injecting. No, that's, that's out of control. And she even says in the book, it says, well, she as if it's uh, real. I'm, I'm not even entertaining the idea that this person existed. But uh, <laughs> but the, she says in the book, like how it was kind of scary at first when he was putting the needle in her arm. And it's like, yeah, because you're fucking 15 years old. It's scary to kiss someone when you're fucking 15. And you're talking yeah, about like yeah. a borderline medical procedure, like reserved for only the most hardcore of weathered drug addicts. And you're right, fucking right. just like. Fuck it. Like, yeah, I'll have this but guy shoot also, me up in his dad's Lincoln. Right. But it's also, I don't know, maybe in the tone I read, it was like, oh, it was kind of scary. He put the drugs right in my arm where I'm almost like, I'm like, it should it should have been way scarier sounding. I guess that's yeah. kind of what you're saying. And like, and then like she has sex for the first time on acid. What and the like, hell? I feel like that, but it's also sort of like that thing where it's like, it feels like that's only like a couple sentences, just like. Yeah, I had sex on acid. Cool, like groovy or whatever. Yeah, and hope so no one finds like, out. Right, um, but w and funny enough, the thing that she spends most of the time talking about is like being on drugs and then not being on drugs. And so now there's this <laughs> very meandering. Most of the book goes between her loving drugs, doing a ton of them, yeah. and then some kind of bottoming out moment happens, and then she hates drugs, and she tries to forsake them. And now, again, we don't want to be insensitive. This is this is definitely like the arc of like a drug addict. Yeah, it's and that, very hard, again, there are you know. aspects that that are real, or at least like, like resemble something close to a reality of this kind of life and, and lifestyle. And again, yeah. like the reason why this book was while we are sitting here shitting on it and I will continue to do so because it's fucking go ask Alice. But like the reason why it was so powerful and so successful is because it had the ability to like like anyone could relate because this isn't a girl that had it rough. Like she didn't come from a bad family. There was no yeah, like abuse family. or, or anything like that. It, everything was pretty idyllic. And that's kind of like the American, you know, suburban white picket fence dream. Mm -hmm. So I like, you know, if that, when that's required reading, a lot of kids that are reading it are coming from places like that, where I'm sure a kid that came from a shitty home that, that got into drugs. Yeah. would be like, this book's bullshit. Right. Like she, like, why would anyone go through all this shit when she had it so good? But to kids that had it good, it seems like this could happen to you. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, she like if it was real, it would be fucked up. 
and it does <laughs> and it portrays this this up and down of just like she gets high she gets hooked again though again i mean i think most people have you could say like lsd is like not really considered to be one of like the addictive drugs which is like definitely the one she takes the most i mean you can certainly abuse lsd and you can make some horrible decisions on it but and i mean she doesn't and actually they don't actually really discuss addiction too much they don't really use that word very much but she definitely has trouble between like being straight and then being on drugs right so it just kind of happens. It's just this back and forth roller coaster. Each time she goes back to doing drugs, it gets worse and worse. Um, there's a couple of the highlights of like some of the more, more fucked up things that happen. Um, yeah, this is the, this is the smash reel. That, yeah, she finds out that her older drug dealing boyfriend, Richie, is gay. And she just steals his money with a friend and then narks him out to the cops. Yeah. And, and runs away to San Francisco. And let, let's let's talk about that really quick. So she her and her friend Chris in, in the book are running drugs for their boyfriends that are college guys. One's like a medical student. The other one, whatever. And they like help them sell drugs at one point. Uh, she even fucking. Uh, sells drugs to like a kid like a grade school oh, yeah, kid yeah. and she's like this is yeah. kind of fucked up she's like but someone's right. got to do it maybe that'll be the last time I sell drugs to a nine year old yeah. you know what right, I mean it's right. like Jesus Christ but like and again acid or LSD as it's always called in the book is such like the pinnacle anchor of this whole story because it's right. always acid and weed and no matter how like hooked she gets on other drugs to the point of injecting them she's mostly looking for acid all the time which, right. which is strange never mushrooms yeah yeah yeah, yeah never mushrooms and yeah. she never talks about kicking dope or anything like that yeah. it's always just like god i really wish i could just like look up at the sky on acid and i don't think it really works like that once you start becoming yeah. like a homeless shooting up drug addict i don't think acid is like your number one priority but right know, call exactly. me crazy but that but maybe that's because in the 60s, acid was definitely one of the it was biggest, like the scariest drug. drug. Yeah. So well, yeah. And like if you're the parent, especially if you're a conservative, you know, parent that doesn't that's not connected to any like counterculture, you just believe what you're being told. And there was a lot of push on that. You know what I mean? Pushback on like yeah. hippie culture and everything. But with the boyfriends, OK, she comes in and walks in on her the boyfriends having sex and she realizes that they're gay and they've been using them this whole time and so yeah she steals the stuff and she has some choice words she calls him bitchy richie and and shit bitchy and richie also and a low it, class queer she says that yeah too. yeah like yeah. she's just like totally fucked uh you know but also it's like the way that she says it it doesn't even seem like they were like in a relationship it just makes it seem like they were so high that they just like right. became gay for each other. Like, and she happened to walk mm. in on it. It doesn't seem like yeah. they were like actually yeah. gay men. It just seemed like another way to make drugs look bad in this book was by like saying like, these guys took it so many that they banged each other. Turn you into a homosexual. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple themes of that, of sort of drug induced homosexuality, right. which I yeah, think that's could right. be like a more of a subconscious thing of like, this is also going to turn you gay because again, we are pretty damn sure that a Mormon wrote this. So, right. you know, the subtext there. Um, so she, yeah, she like goes to San Francisco and then we were saying how it's crazy <laughs> that with like $200 in her pocket, she somehow manages with her friend Chris to like rent a storefront with right. like no money, which the only thing I could say is like, maybe like that could have been possible back when it was just more of like a communal, like, trying to be a hippie thing and not like the San Francisco, you know, now or like $200 probably gives you like a square foot, 
you know? Right. But, but I, it still seems a little crazy. Okay, but the other thing with that is, like, first of all, they're fucking 16 years old. I have it marked, like, because the, the book starts in September. By the time September rolls around again, right. that's when they're in, like, San Francisco, I believe. It's only been a year, so she was 15. Now she's 16. Like... I'm sorry, you could be 16. fucking 25 to 35 years old with a college degree and $10,000 in the bank. You're not going to open up a storefront in San Francisco and live off of it. You know, <laughs> like, it's yeah. just, like, it's just, yeah. that's so crazy. And yeah, so like, it's even crazier that when they get to San Francisco, they have enough money to get themselves like a shitty room. And then they find jobs. Someone hires these two drug addicted runaways that are right. obviously underage and haven't even graduated high school. Give them jobs to the point where they're able to rent an apartment and then save up enough to get a storefront. All the while maintaining an, a reckless drug habit and, you know, experimenting sexually and all that. And then hitting the one of the lowest points in the entire book. Right. Yeah, so then one of so her friend's employer who's old, who's like an adult like she But like a cool adult. Friends, she's like the cool adult. So it it veers very quickly from being like this cool adult to then one day the adult, I think her name is Sharon and her boyfriend, they introduce the the uh, narrator anonymous and her friend to heroin and then they rape them. And right. it happens in the blink of an eye. Yeah, like it's 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 a sentence much like those dirty rap bastards. They raped us. And you're like, I mean, not trying to tell you how to deal with your trauma, but it just feels like you would probably have put more than one sentence about right. this horrific right. incident. Yeah, not even taking action. Nothing but like hey, that. But like, but yeah, again, yeah. you know, we don't know. We don't know. Who, we don't know. Say? You don't know. And again, I mean, that's the thing. And I mean, and part of it being a diary is like, I mean, it's not. It's not like you have to have some standard of like what you're supposed to be talking about. I mean, it is a diary. exactly. And you she know. was so busy. You know what I mean? Like she had a job in, in, <laughs> yeah. in a shop and again, trying to get acid every fucking two seconds. So, you know, but, but again, it just comes at when you're reading it, it, you just comes at you like, holy shit. Yeah. Okay. Everything and then, and then in this book no of it. comes yeah. at you like that. Like all the heaviest right. points come at you like that. And that's one of the biggest criticisms of the book critically. Like, you know, is that when it when it gets to a, a really harsh point that it almost seems like everything you read from that point from before up to that point has been leading up to this one moment. And then it's a sentence mm -hmm. and then the date will skip like a month and a half. And then it's right, like something's right. totally different happening. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. What happens after that? Did did Chris quit the job? Yeah. Like, did she keep working? Did right. you guys ever go back there? Like, like what you know what I mean? But it's a it's a way I feel like of a not scaring kids too much, not making the book so harsh that it wouldn't be in the YA genre. Um, right, and right. also, I feel like for the writer or the you know the who we believe to be the writer, it might have been mm -hmm. a little uncomfortable to you know make up those stories past just the blank right. the blanks like blanket statement of it you know what i mean right exactly it's kind of, it kind of feels like okay pick these really bad things that you you know want to associate as consequences of doing drugs and just get them in there but maybe not like talking about like how that would actually go right. down just like how they own us didn't right well that yeah and also it's like just like how they managed to open up a store it's like there's no explanation exactly. with a lot of a lot of this stuff right. but then after they right. get the store what they, they they decide to to fucking leave they yeah they like go they they, they kind of like run away and then they come back home again and then they run away she runs away again she like hitchhikes to colorado and has this 
I guess there's some sort of like party, like a gath, like a hippie gathering type of thing that she just has this like prolonged drug induced blackout. You're right. Which and then she like ends up like homeless at that point, and she's like homeless in Colorado, and then she starts prostituting herself for drugs. So that's well, and I some think of the other real. I, bad I, stuff. I thought at one point she um. So, yeah, well, real quick, when she gets back from San Francisco, you know, there's obviously, like, the fear, like, oh, my God, my family's going to be so mad. But no, they're not, because every fucking time, I I mean, this chick gets a billion chances. So it's like she comes home, and everyone loves her, and she stays with her grandparents for a while. She meets a really nice guy. But meanwhile, she's trying to, like, keep her reputation, you know, up and and save face, because everyone at school knows that she was a runaway, and she was doing acid, and she used to sell. So kids Mm -hmm. are asking her for shit, making it really hard on her. You know, all all, all that stuff's happening. And then... You know, again, like many other things in this book, it kind of just like skips a few weeks. And then now she's in right. Colorado and I'm pretty sure she gets a ride to Portland. And that's when she's in like the rain for like three months. And it says oh, that yeah. like a lot of yeah. this portion of the diary was written on paper bags and, and like things that she yeah. could scrape together. But she still had the mm-hmm. wherewithal to keep it all together. And like, right. Get, you know? now, again, and, and, and like, see, that's the thing is like, we are going to get to the what really the evidence of why it's fake because all of these things could happen like extraordinary yes. things and I'm do sh- happen and, and, and they that's do why it's such a powerful that's why the presentation of it was so powerful because like people do do shit like that people do like maybe keep it like are in some extreme circumstance and they're writing down like a intense thought on a piece of paper like a scrap of paper or something and like people do get hit rock bottom and become homeless and prostitute themselves for drugs so we're not trying to say like that shit is unrealistic and it was the 60s and people were doing crazy stuff then well it's it still happens and there's a million there's a billion stories like this happening all the time in this country all around the world you know what i mean and and that's not what we're saying here what we're saying is this is kind of like the perverse uh, fantasy fucking Grimm's fairy tale from a lady, you know, in yeah, order in order to scare that. young girls. Um, but yeah, yeah, so when she's in uh, Portland, it, I'm pretty sure it is where it is again, scrounging for acid, like to the point where right. she's prostituting herself, you know, taking whatever high she could get. But it's really all about weed. Like she's always like, "Man, I wish I had a joint." Like God, I wish I had a joint. At one point, uh, someone gives her some like joints for herself, and she's like, "Isn't mm. that nice, nice, nice?" Like she yeah. <laughs> she said, like, which is like a weird thing. Uh, like there's a lot of weird uh, things that she says where you're like, that's not how a teenager on drugs talks. Yeah, but yeah, she yeah. has like um a regular client or John that she uh, prostitutes herself out to, who she calls what like big ass or fat ass. She she. <laughs> I don't remember that. Wait, yeah, bitch. yeah. It, it's <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, it's that's what it is. It's something like that. It's like had to see him again. God, at least I could get high. And then, oh yeah, big ass. No, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. big ass. Yeah, she calls the guy big ass. So she's she's you know fucking big ass to get acid and decides that you know once again enough's enough and so she goes home once again now this time she's really putting in the effort to you know maintain her relationships again right. she she has this nice guy you know that that's like 
in in college and he he's working and all this oh also by the way while we're talking about her calling like a fat guy big ass uh, who i'm sure was awful mm-hmm. to her and deserves nasty things to be said about him but then also yeah. calling richie you know bitchy richie and like a low-class yeah. queer uh she yeah. also had a problem with her first friend before she did acid uh she had a, a nice like kind of square friend, friend yeah who was jewish yeah. and met a guy at summer camp and came back and she's like yeah she's with some jewish guy and it's like yeah, yeah. it's just like the eat the, take it jerk. easy like my note i literally just yeah. highlighted it and wrote whoa take it easy because it's like <laughs> just comes off like she fucking hates jewish people she hates gay people she doesn't like big fat people she's always had a problem with weight yeah. things like she's just kind of a you know anonymous is kind of shitty <laughs> but, yeah no and one of my one of my like big whoa what the fuck moments is um she's feeling really bad about herself and she's like i felt like you know like she was relating to like being like an old she her words an old negro spiritual oh, and God. then she says and then she says I wonder what their hangup was anyway. And I'm like, it's I like, mean, whoa. if you're literally referring to that, I mean, I think the hangup was slavery. Yeah. You know, like, it's uh, just like hundreds of years of oppression. <laughs> Jesus fucking it's just Christ. Really funny. It's just also weird to be like relating to a song and then being like, what the fuck was their problem? <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. No, she's. So, yeah, we both she's got some crass, like, not, uh, some crass ideals there. I, I, yeah, we were not necessarily like relating or like or just like we weren't really liking this character that much. Um, but anyway, so so to kind of finish up like the the story is she like kind of comes back home and she's like having this attempt to try and get straight for real. But in the process, because she has already ratted out some of her drug friends in this back in her hometown. Right now, her old drug friends they don't like her and they're like fucking with her and they're kind of bullying her and they're trying to get her to like turn freak again. She calls them the freaks in the straights and she, and she won't do it. And she, there's this instance where she kind of like tell, she's like her, someone's needs their kid babysat. And like she there, it's like her and a friend, both babysit the kid and she's like taking over the shift or something. Yeah. The Cause the other friend is fucked up is high. Yeah. Yeah. So she calls her parents and, kind of rats like lets them know like hey your your daughter was trying to babysit this kid high so anyway that like provokes the ire of this group of stoners and so they're, that's they, actually kind of the scariest part of the book too because they like yeah. stalker and like you feel like something really bad is going to happen and you and you don't know when it's coming and this is actually kind of like i would say the best part of the book where i was actually like okay like that was like a good little uh section there because right. you know she's going i mean the the panic and the anxiety of these kids fucking with her and mm-hmm. then they're telling her like oh i hope your little brother or little sister doesn't take candy from any strangers would be a shame yeah. if they like took a trip you know like they're gonna lace right. her fucking kid brother and kid sister and then like some some of yeah they like they some talk about leaving dope realistic. in her dad's car that they, they leave like a burning roach in her locker i mean it's getting right. really serious and you're just waiting like when is yeah. this gonna happen and yeah and to be fair like that part did seem realistic like these relationships because you know like High schoolers and like kids can be really mean and find these like cre- cleverly fucked up ways to bully each other. So like some sort of that dynamic of like trying to, you know, figure out like she wants to avoid the druggies and but then the sh- the straights as she called them like they know she has the history so they're like distrustful too. Right. So like I felt like that dynamic. I was like, okay, this this feels kind of believable. But anyway, what happens is that she gets dosed again, but completely unknowingly and has a bad trip yeah and she like freaks out completely and 
for some reason, some adults like find her freaking out and they like lock her in a closet and she tries to escape and tries to literally claw her claw way out her of the way closet out. Yeah. and bang and she bangs her head. She so she gets like a fractured skull and all of she wakes up in the hospital and all of her fingers are bandaged because she was trying so hard to claw out that she like damaged her fucking her, hands all, up all of her. Yeah. So then she's in this. Um, psychiatric hospital, or as she calls it, a freak wharf. Which, you know what? What, dude? That's the only time yeah. that's ever been used ever. A freak wharf, dude. I know. And I and we I found that the comedian Paul F. Tompkins actually made an album, a comedy album called Freak Wharf, and like his last bit of his set is about Go Ask Alice. Yeah, and, and the, the and the word freak wharf, a, the freak wharf. Yeah, so. Um, but you so don't know what, what actually happened, though, because like until a little no, yeah. later in the book, because like, right. the, like the dates skip and like everything's fine. And then like the next entry that doesn't have a date, it just has a question mark. They do that throughout the book. The she's just in the hospital. And you're like, well, what the fuck happened? And then you find and she out counts the, the bad trip. And the, the trip is crazy, like because then she's saying because her grandfather dies during the course of the book and her grandmother. And she like sees her grandfather like his corpse being like eaten by worms right well and stuff. just like and for she thinks she's covered in worms yeah ju just for comparison so we heard a little bit of her first trip when she was smelling jello uh this is yeah. her describing what happened uh during the the end of the book trip not the beginning of the book trip it's all very unclear because when i try to think back it's like i'm looking through fuzzy colored lights but i do remember trying to dial home and taking eternities to get each number to end I think the line was busy, and I don't really remember what happened next, except that I was screaming, and Gramps was there to help me, but his body was dripping and blazing multicolored worms and maggots, which fell on the floor behind him. He tried to pick me up, but only the skeleton remained of his hands and arms. The rest had been picked clean by wriggling, writhing, slithering, busily eating worms, with which seethed on every part. They were eating and they wouldn't stop. His two eye sockets were teeming with the white, soft-bodied, creeping animals, which were burrowing in and out of his flesh, which were phosphorescent and swirled into one another. That sounds Damn. awful. Right. <laughs> and now, again, people have bad trips. And of they course. Have terrifying hallucinations. So, again, that it's like every element of it is not something that is necessarily unrealistic. That sounds fucked up. When you're a sixth, seventh grader, wherever I was, when you read that shit, that's going to be like, yo, that's a no, That's a hard pass. For me, because that sounds like some messed that up sounds, stuff. Yeah, terrible. The dead grandparents. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, and then later, you know, they, they describe it more. And, and, you know, one of the nurse tells her, like, she thought that, you know, she had thought that she was in like a coffin, like underground yeah. when she was in the closet. Mm -hmm. And that's what she thought she was clawing herself out of. And then she finds yeah. out that not only was she dosed, but then... The kids also tell everyone that she was selling acid and she had taken right. too much of her own, which causes mm -hmm. all sorts of fucking other problems now. And right. she's stuck in this freak wharf, you know, which yeah. is like a classic. I feel like this yeah. is such like a classic thing, especially in like like certain like YA novels and like a lot of kind of like like uh like st struggle books, you know, about like that are especially like based around like chicks. Like if there's like a mental hospital part, like that's like a highlight mm -hmm. part. Like I think girl interrupted and, and things like that. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. it's almost like a trope to like, the, the, like yeah, to the, the adolescent breakdown girl mm -hmm. experience in a, in a mental health health institution. You go, you, you go on the roller coaster, you bottom out and then you're in the psychiatric hospital. And in this, this moment she then meets other people 
who have also had like similarly just like really fucked up uh really quick like from first time drug use to like becoming a full-blown addict in a very short amount of time thing which so it definitely like reinforces this air that like no one in this story is using drugs even remotely responsibly and they're all just like crashing as fast as they possibly and no one can. just smokes weed either no one's just smoking weed and no, no and, way. and it's, it's like there's all like no like alcohol hardcore stuff no alcohol yeah that's what's funny there is no alcohol whatsoever mentioned in no one book. even talks about I mean, cigarettes barely they, they they only mention it in the way that they're they talk about how parents won't notice that you're on drugs but they'll notice if you took like a shot of their vodka. of their booze yeah and so it's kind of it's kind of this indication of how the parents don't know what's going on um, right well and there's the so, scene um like the part in the book where like she's having like a birthday party and everyone's fucking stoned and her parents just don't realize it and they like bust right. out champagne mm -hmm. and everyone's like whoa yeah. crazy we're gonna have champagne and they're already kind of like yeah. fucked up dude if right, that right. was happening at my fucking birthday party when i was 16 my dad would just walk in and be like everyone get the fuck out like not you right. ryan you're staying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you're gonna get a talking to yeah but um so basically she goes to the ward and she is like now this is pretty much the end of the book she is just so committed to like she is going to stay off drugs for good she had like had this boyfriend like right before she went and he's like this great guy who's just he's writing Writes her, her every, day. every day and then when she's done they reunite and you're just like oh my god you know it's like seems so happy like she's gonna do it but then wait <laughs> There's this like the end short epilogue. We're going to spoil this book for you so you don't have to read it. Yeah. It spoiler alert. Like skip ahead. Hardcore. Yeah. It's just like three weeks later, the author was found dead from a drug overdose. And it's like <laughs> too much acid. <laughs> right. And then here's the thing, though, is like they just say drug overdose, which, again, if this is a real book, you would know what the drug was. Exactly. And then also the now at this point we're in epilogue land so like this is the suppose this is not the author written so then they pose this question was it an accidental overdose or a premeditated overdose no one knows and in some ways the question isn't important what must be of concern is that she died and that she was only one of thousands of drug deaths that year yeah, so like yeah. if the if the message isn't clear like, because I mean, calling it a premeditated overdose, and it's like you're you're just throwing some huge assumptions, right? Yeah, at no, because every time she got, every time she was out of the depths, she was like loving life. Like, I mean, again, you know, folks, anything can happen, and, and we're not saying yeah. that you know people don't no, no, like no. harbor right. demons deep within themselves that they you know can. Be, but we're, again, we're yeah. reading her diary, so we know what's going on inside of her. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, what the fuck? And again, it just seemed like and a really good way to wrap it up really it's, fast. It's convenient. It's very convenient that she died after. Oh yeah, no one, you know, no bodies, no questions. Exactly. So that's our summary of it. Okay, so let's get to the impact of this book on the release in real time in the 70s. Right. So right. Go Ask Alice was published with the anonymous author byline in 1971, and it be quickly became a bestseller. Now, for a little bit of context, we won't go into too much of hippie stuff, but basically during this time period, there was a surge of drug ex experimentation within this hippie generation, especially psychedelics like LSD. 
Um, now, also, I would say, like, as the 60s, like, turned into the 70s, um, you know, there sort of was like a bubble burst um, in terms of like the optimism of the movement. Right. Um, and and we talked about that like on this... Disco Demolition episode, you know, yeah, where, exactly. where yeah. the drugs kind of like, the, like basically the hippies grew up, you know what I mean? And, so, and, right. the, and the babies, their Woodstock babies, you know, were starting to, you know, grow up too. And the drugs were starting to change and the culture was starting to change. Yeah. There wasn't really mm -hmm. like a counterculture in the way that there was. And you started seeing all these people that were dedicating their lives to these communal causes and this true kind of height Ashbury, you know, hippie mentality. Right. Now they're just on the streets. Like it's, no longer right, like right. living outside it's you're homeless yeah. you know yeah the, i mean the early 70s culture is to me very fascinating for that very reason because it is this hugely transitional period though on the surface it still seems like it's like one big psychedelic party um but one thing is like now harder drugs like cocaine and heroin start to become introduced now there's no real mention of cocaine in the book but obviously the heroin in the rape scene is like a big one so like these negative effects are like becoming like a big concern for America. So like the book is definitely really effective in its timeliness. Yeah. So I think that that was a huge part of it. It was a lot um, easier to believe back then, you know? Exactly. Yes. And so that's a bit, another part of it is that the fact that like we don't have like, I don't know the, the, the level of, of information technology was just not the same there. So, I mean, it just was a different time where like you, you say that this was written and it was a true story and Great. it's kind of like yeah. there was i mean i mean but it was published by like legitimate publications and we'll get into maybe how that was also able to get through because i mean there's been frauds forever right but i will get into that as well but so basically it's like this real diary of a teenage girl and um the young adult sort of as like a classified genre had kind of started in the 50s so it kind of like the idea of like young adult reading had kind of had some legs for a couple decades. So it was like very much like this is a book like written by someone just like you. And right. so I think that that also had a big part of it because instead of like an adult saying, oh, I know this girl that this happened to. It's like, no, this literally is the girl. Yeah, let her tell to. you. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then because of the extreme profanity, uh, depictions of drug use, running away from home, sex, sexual abuse, um, it just had a, it was very controversial because it's like, I mean, it's a pretty it's fucking book. heavy and I mean the cover yeah. alone is really ominous the the cover and I mean you know we're obviously if you follow us on Instagram at culture dumps you'll be seeing lots of go ask Alice stuff uh, when the week this episode's out but the cover is just like a shadowed half face peeking around the words go mm -hmm. ask Alice and it's right. like a very like this book has been I mean or I'm going to describe it because the way it's always talked about amongst people that grew up with it and stuff is this is like the faces of death of books for like young adults yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the, it's like a rite of passage, like someone's older brother or sister would have it or you would hear about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, oh, if you read it like this one's really scary. And it's like the fact that it's like written by anonymous, like no one's even taking credit for this. Like the whole presentation right. of it spooky. is very spooky. It, it's got the Ouija board vibe. And I mean, that was I mean, I remember when it was in middle school, like that was the thing is I just remember it was sort of this hush hush because I it definitely wasn't a required reading for my school but I remember me and all my friends and people I knew just like would read it and it was it seemed like sort of this dirty secret of like, you guys oh, are sick this, this, yeah yeah <laughs> you guys are fucked um, up 
but and but also as you know i mean controversy historically will drive the interest in that thing the thing that people are trying to suppress once you do that it makes people especially younger people oh well i want to check out what it is absolutely so like drugs so it um yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so um i would say that uh the oh that, well, that was one of my other bits was just basically how like it did scare me uh for about two years. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Just until you started doing drugs. Well, no, it was funny. We, we, uh, one of our listeners, uh, I posted a picture of of Go Ask Alice, like the book when it came the other day, and one of our listeners like sent us a message, and she was like, "This book is like probably responsible for like the majority of my drug use," <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's but like it also like, but I, I mean, it also I do think did work to some people. You know, uh, really yeah, did, you know, truly work, but they were probably like maybe. Did, or you would use it to be like that anymore. would be like the bar that you set for yourself. Where you're like, okay, like I'm gonna like get drunk with my friends like after school, or like I'm gonna try some acid at fucking Disneyland like on the school trip. But like I'm not gonna get to like go ask Alice. Like I'll n I'm not gonna be like go ask Alice yeah. as long as yeah, I, as yeah. long as I'm not like fucking sucking dick for LSD. Like right. I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, it, it definitely, in, in that sense, I remember also middle school, the movie Requiem for a Dream, kind of the same sort of thing. Same like, effect, but way more just, effective. Like, I'll, yes, I never I did heroin, a, fuck that. Not, right, not ever no, seeing that. Requiem for a Dream is truly, like, actually a great book, and we'll get into that, too. Um, so, but yeah, so the controversy helped fuel it. And at, in fact, um, it's been one of the most highly ranked books to be, uh, like, by the American Library Association, as one of the books most frequently challenged for censorship. Oh, wow. And in fact, there was even a poll or a survey from the decades to, or from the years 2000 to 2009. And Al, go ask Al, Alice was still in like the top 25 of like the most banned books. I mean, the, the, the so, reason yeah. for that, it, again, it's not so, I mean, there's a billion fucking books and movies out there that are way fucking gnarlier, like that have to do with these, these subjects, but it's the fact that it's aimed at a certain age. You know what I mean? This book isn't so yeah. bad that people want it fucking banned because just in and of itself, they want it banned right. be because of who it's aimed at. Like, and yes. you know what? And I mean, kids popular, need to get scared straight yeah. sometimes. And this is like a great way to do it. You know what I mean? Like a teen issues class. It's like, give them a copy of go ask Alice. Like yeah. when, when they're starting to, mm -hmm. you know, hang out past the, you know, streetlights being on, you know, it's right. like, let them know. Yeah, but yeah, totally. it, it wouldn't be challenged as much if it, if it was for an older audience, but an older audience isn't going to mm -hmm. fucking read this shit. Right. So then, so then in 1973, there was a television movie of Alice that was produced. Yeah. And in this, in this, so we watched this, we read this damn book and we watched this damn movie. So we're putting in this work. Yeah. This movie dude. was really only an fast. Hour, I'm but so it was proud of hard. us. It was really hard to watch this movie. The movie um, was harder to watch than the book it, was to read. <laughs> right. But it was kind of cool because William Shatner is in it. And Andy he Griffith. Plays, yeah. Andy Griffith is the, uh, this kind preacher, who in her, one of her moments of, you know, despair, he reconnects her with her family. William Shatner plays her father. He's got a great headpiece on and a great um. Oh my mustache. god! I fooled <laughs> me, dude. I didn't realize that that was him. I was reading the whole movie for oh, Shatner. What? I didn't even realize that was him, dude. That's, oh my god! Right. I'm such an idiot. Maybe I shouldn't have taken oh, so much so, LSD when I was that's watching so it. So funny. Oh my yeah, god. No, 
No, and he and he and they both both of those guys are you know they're great act. I mean, there's actually like a pretty there was a two other people I recognize, Mackenzie Phillips and Charles Martin Smith, who were both later that year in the movie American Graffiti, which I love that movie. Mackenzie Phillips plays the really annoying little sister who's like, "Come on, take me uh, riding." Yeah, and then Charles Martin Smith <laughs> is just like the the nerd with huge glasses. Okay, um, so I I know I just love that movie. I was like, oh shit! Like, there's like a pretty stacked like. Well, this book was actors. huge, you know. So, right. it was so they would have gotten big actors for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but the thing is with the movie is they cut out a lot of bullshit and they kind of just like jump into the good shit like right away, like right. like right when the movie opens, like boom, she like gets to the new school, buys her diary. Within like a couple minutes, she's at this fucking yeah. party. Loves mm-hmm. fucking acid. Gets high in front of her fucking parents. They don't even know. Yeah. Uh, runs away from home because they want her to like straighten her hair or fucking something right right and, and then like the what they do is again yeah there's obviously so much fat trimming happening because it's just this like shitty made for tv movie but mm-hmm. uh the san francisco scene which we said you know is like kind of the most infamous scene of the whole book with the heroin and they find out that they were being drugged to be taken advantage of in the movie they don't make it like one of their bosses who's like a cool hip like older chick that they look up to like tricks them it's like there's like an old couple that they're staying with that like keep them mm-hmm. hooked on drugs. And it's so right. scary. And like David Lynchian yeah, and like, they have them like scarier. on the floor begging like dogs and they're like, who wants some pills? And like, yeah, it's so yeah. freaky dude. Like that yeah. was like really, really effective. <laughs> that was, yeah. But other than that, it's still a pretty bad movie. Yeah, of um, course. But, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's again, effective in like a grindhouse way. Exactly. But it it did it was uh successful at the time the movie was and it contributed to more sales uh so by 1975 three million copies of the book had been sold but also it's important to note that like libraries said that it was an incredibly popular book to be checked out so like probably a lot more people you know were reading it than than bought it three million people right Um, and in fact libraries did try to do this thing where they would take it off the shelves and then it was like by request only you had to ask for it Oh, it's you like porno. You just be on the thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. a brown bagged um, YA book. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also, the critical response was positive, and like found this like New York Times review from like seventy two, and it called it a document of horrifying reality possessing literary quality. So I mean, like the critics were also they in liked on it. Like, People they, liked they, they, they Go Ask it. Alice, you know. Right. So, but this is all predicated on the fact that this happened to a real teenage girl so right let's get into the information that we think will hopefully there should be no question about it why it's not real so enter beatrice sparks okay yes yeah, not to be beatrice confused with sparks. nicholas sparks another amazing uh author right right also there's an entire other series of alice books like there's this whole other author and there's this other it's like something Alice, something else. And there's seriously like it has nothing to do with Go Ask Alice, but there's this other successful right. young adult Alice series. And there's like 20 of those books. Yeah. And, so. well, and I've seen like other like ripoffs as well, where it's like the same kind of cover. Like there's a bunch of these right. books that like copy the cover yeah. of Go Ask Alice. There's one, one. There's a book called Lucy in the Sky. Yeah. Lucy in the Sky. And yeah. that's more towards this. Like, but there is one that came out, I think, in like 2012, like not even that long ago. So it's obviously not you know, from the same source, it's, a, it's just someone kind of keeping up the tradition, but it's called breaking right. Bailey. And it's about like a young high yeah. school girl yeah. named Bailey who gets mixed up with, uh, these like rich kids that have like a drug lab and it's like breaking bad, but mixed with go ask right. Alice. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Beatrice Sparks. So she was born in January of 1917. Because remember, she's 50 in the 60s. Right. (laughs) So she grew up in Logan, Utah, and was a devout Mormon for most of her life. She worked as a music therapist at a Utah State mental hospital, probably inspiration for that scene. And, you know, basically, like, kind of her mission in life was to help troubled teens and youth. Um, In the mid-70s, in the wake of the success of Alice, Sparks came forward publicly as the editor of the diaries that was supposedly the source of the book. She claims that she met the real Alice who gave her the diaries and that six months later she died, though by Sparks' own admission, it was not a drug overdose. But she did not specify how she died. Uh, she was strangled so, by Beatrice Sparks, by Beatrice who then Sparks, buried her yeah. in a shallow grave in Utah and uh, stole her life story. <laughs> but basically, yeah. But so basically, she's claiming that like her reason is saying that she. So basically, that's already like a big change in the plot, right? Right. So yeah. she's saying that she like did not. She wasn't going to get permission from her parents. Um, to just print the diary just as it was. So now she's coming out in these interviews and she's saying that she changed the names. And now she's starting to say that she's actually included other events that weren't in the original diary. Right. Yeah. She always so, said that she got, she, she plucked stories from all the yes. youth that she worked at at this mental hospital as a music yeah. therapist. And keep in mind, Beatrice Sparks also always had like a PhD attached to her name and o- only relating that but back to her experience too. in, yeah, in mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. But there's no proof that she ever had a PhD. Right. And there's no proof that she yeah. was ever in a position to sit down with these kids and speak to them on such a level to get these stories brought out of them and then put them on right. paper. She's a music right. therapist yeah. at a mental hospital yeah right there's already the the makings of a the classic fraud so when she says she says that now she's included stories from teens and other situations that is a really slippery slope because the book has been presented as this author anonymous and she's only the editor but now she's essentially like kind of admitting she's made up stuff and right written parts of the book but again you know, it's kind of like the contra- the touchy nature of it is like, ooh, I don't know, maybe don't ask too many questions. Or something. I don't know what it is. But um, she said she had to publish the book anonymously because she was going to get sued by the parents. Um, now, that there was even fucking silly too. like, I, I mean, it's, it's just so fucking ridiculous. And that's also, you know, again, why she said she added in stories. Also, the parents right. wouldn't actually know which was, you know, quote unquote, right. Alice's and, and which stories weren't. But again, folks, the fact that at the beginning of the book, it says that this is compiled of diaries, things written it on paper so bags and, and things like yeah. that. So like, again, conveniently, this scattered thing is like all put into one package. Some girl who was living on the streets of two major fucking drug riddled cities you know managed to hang on to all of this and make time to fucking make these entries and then just so happened to be under the watch of Beatrice in this hospital and then give it all Mm -hmm. to her before she mysteriously died like this is so elaborate this is the book like this is the book that should have been written another thing another thing that people were talking about is they're like well you know if this was like a patient like this would be like an extreme breach of like patient you know uh, absolutely confidentiality but then she goes and said no alice was only my friend she wasn't a patient so again she's she's got an answer for everything um and they tried to because uh, she didn't have a point, phd some, that's what she means right right she, it's not, there's point, no patient confidentiality if you're not her fucking doctor true yeah again it's kind of like multiple like yeah it's weird but so uh, at some point there was even a call to try and get the original diary 
And then she like is like conveniently doesn't have it. I destroyed um, it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That kind of stuff. Um, and so one thing about her is that how because since we are starting to uncover this bits of fraud, like how did it get published? So she was friends. Um, she had a friend in the entertainment industry, uh, Ark Linkladder. He was a radio and television personality. I personally don't know much about him, but he kind of sort of like seemed like more of an old school guy. Probably was like big in the 40s, 50s type of thing. Payola. Old school guy. Yeah. Um, so he had a daughter who in the 60s uh, died because she jumped out of a window in which, according to him, was an LSD flashback. Jeez. So obviously it's like this fucking subject Nick Cave's son who jumped off right. like fell off a cliff and he was on acid. God. Right. So it's like obviously very personal to this guy. And then probably when he befriended her and then when she had that thing, I could see how very easily like he helped get the book published. Right. Because, and again, because the intention the subject matter. The intention is seemingly pure. And I'm not saying it's not. The idea to help teenagers, you know, especially young girls that, you know, like dealing with you know themes like sex and and drug use and being taken advantage of and stuff that is super important and that is righteous and I do think that it's a good thing yeah. and I'm not I'm right. not knocking anyone attempting to do that what I am knocking is the blatant making up of shit yeah. taking advantage of a story when there's so many real stories out there that could have you know the the real voices of this kind of Mm -hmm. situation should have been given the platform instead because once you find out that this is made up and it's not coming from a place of like true sincerity or experience it kind of falls apart exactly so here's the real deep dive so in the late 70s sparks kind of she had already before then sort of established herself as the editor of alice but then in the late 70s these two books came out one was sparks's own book called voices and this was supposedly a, another collection of like teen stories of you know that she had heard uh, but the cover says on it from beatrice sparks the author who brought you go ask alice ah. so we're doing like a real little limbo with semantics here like walking the line yeah it's like the author who brought you the book so anyway that's funny then conveniently enough in 1979 sparks has presented another anonymous journal this time it's called jay's journal now the story on jay's journal there's a, there you can actually link this to a person which again there's never been like a link to alice like of being a real person the right. parent you know none of that stuff but with jay's journal after the success of go ask alice a utah mother named marcella barrett who was also a mormon she gave sparks the journal of her deceased son alden Alden had suffered depression and he committed suicide when he was 16. So Barrett was very distressed by this. And she thought she saw the story of Sparks, knew that she was a Mormon, knew that she had edited out. So she thought that Beatrice Sparks would be the answer to her prayers and help transform this story into a powerful message to help other teens in need. Right. Because at that so, point, everyone thought that Go Ask Alice was real. So, well, yes. I have a similar story. Maybe my son's story will will help someone. And this right. is where so it this gets is, assholey. This is where it gets fucked up. So Sparks produced Jay's journal, changed the name. And it's about a teenage boy who gets involved in Satanism, and <laughs> animal sacrifice, drug abuse in the occult, and it eventually leads to his suicide. So the parents, they were shocked by this final product because they claimed that the Satanism was completely made up. There right. was no journal entries. So they gave her something like 200 journal entries, and apparently Sparks only used like 20 of them and she says in the entire j in in um alden's real journal there was no mention of satanism right. so S sparks says she interviewed her some of his friends 
and found out that he was a Satanist. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's so fucked it's, up. And like, imagine being the parents and you're like, like, it's got to be so fucking heart wrenching to go to the bookstore and pick up a fresh copy of this book that you're expecting to positively impact the lives of many a teens just like your son who tragically committed suicide you entrust his most personal thoughts and feelings to a stranger who you believe will you know turn person. this into you know a weaponized thing to you know help the youth and rather than it being his thoughts about how sad he was and he couldn't like pull himself out of the darkness of depression and then and girls don't like me and very catcher in the rye kind of thing it then becomes like we killed a fucking cat and i took acid and like i want to yeah. fuck and like i right. love the devil and the it devil is inside me <laughs> and it's like what right. the fuck so and then the whole family though they knew that that book was based on that journal so they were all looking forward to reading it and like not like a yeah. morbid way but just in like a closure type way and what they get is fucking satan in the suburbs well, and that's the thing. And so, and and Marcella Bart Barrett, the mom, said that uh, Beatrice Sparks wouldn't let the parents read the book beforehand, but assured them that it was going to be like true to Alden's journal. So, like, she's reassuring them and stuff. So, this is crazy, though. I maybe found it was this just boring. Article. Maybe it was what? too boring. Maybe it was too boring. It was too. You got to spice it up. It's, yeah, you know, it's showbiz. Add some animal sacrifice. Fuck it. <laughs> So I found that I found an interview of this mom, Marcella Barrett, in the Salt Lake City Weekly. And so the thing about this book is that Jay's journal was not as popular as Go Ask Alice, but because uh, it was it was popular in the Mormon community because they knew it was about a Mormon kid and they knew that it was Beatrice Sparks. So right, people knew in these circles. And one of the craziest things is that people have actually defaced this kid Alden Barrett's grave. Because Ugh. thinking he's a Satanist. And That's this is awful. literally in oh my this God. <laughs> news. This it was from like 2004, this newspaper. It's like they were they were like scrawling shit and like defacing it. So like wow. that is like messed up. So that being said, Beatrice Sparks, she she published a few more that, that kind of became her legacy. And she she was just every so often come out with another anonymous book. Right. And, and there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them, and I don't really want to read any of them, but there was one funny one I I saw the synopsis of. It's called Almost Lost. It's a 90s one, and this right. teenager, he's he's into rap music now. Oh, no. And, it's worse than Satan. It's called, it's called Almost Lost because he's saved because he attends therapy with Sparks. So oh she's writing herself God. into the damn book. She broke the fourth wall. Also, I read, yeah. read that that book is like... like just terrible fucking reviews because he kind of like turns into like a like a male hustler at one point this one's kind of about cocaine and like someone was like yeah i just find it interesting that this uh 15 year old boy who was like you know living on the streets because it's such a severe drug addiction was able to single-handedly uh get his parents back together cure his father's alcoholism and uh begin therapy like it just seems yeah. uh <laughs> it just seems a little yeah, too it's... uh perfect but you, you yeah, know why I realized that none of these books, I mean, there's others like I, I have the whole list here. I'll, I'll read the titles in a second. But like Jay's journal, of course, isn't going to be as popular or impactful as Go Ask Alice. A, because the subject matter is a lot more kind of like outrageous, like with the animal sacrifice aspect and the Satanism right, kind of right, thing. Right. But also 
you know, and especially, you know, decades ago, the stakes just seem a lot higher for a girl. You know what I mean? Like a female character yeah. just seems a lot more at risk and a lot more helpless. And in a lot of ways they are, you know what I mean? Like in life and in these situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's just like, for instance, if you watch like a movie like Girl Interrupted or something like that versus say Lost Angels, where Lost Angels is about like a troubled boy going into a mental health facility Mm -hmm. it it just doesn't it it doesn't hit the same notes you know what i mean and and i feel like it has something to do with like you know we want to protect her whereas like the guy should just know better you know what i mean like the guy should have been able to get himself out of this whereas the girl it's like poor her you know and like i i I just feel like it was the stakes were a lot higher for a girl to be out there you know than, than a guy but also but also because jay's journal was actually based on this real person and the parents actually did say something about it right i mean that's starting to crack this facade whereas i mean there's never been like i we could not find any evidence that alice was a real person or the anonymous alice was a real person person, right um so again i think that that helps it too because it was the first one because she killed her yeah (laughs) (laughs) because she fucking murdered her But look, real quick, I just want to yeah, I just want to read off yeah. these uh, these other titles. Um, so yeah, Jay's Journal, which was 1979. She takes some time off, and in '94 she writes, "It happened to Nancy." It happened to Nancy is about a girl who is very excited to get invited to a party. She gets date raped and contracts AIDS and dies. Uh, that's right. intensely heavy. Yeah. That's right around in the kids uh, movie territory. Right. So and so she, I will say, Sparks is good at keeping up with the times because it's like you have this. 80s one that's about satanism with satan and it kind of ties into satanic satanic panic panic, then you have one about aids then you have one about rap and like these are so it's all things that are like kind of current the current issues of uh Right of America or like the concerns and scares. So I mean, right? You know, but, but she obviously I feel had like the some views, savvy. The, yeah, exactly. And, and but the views I feel like become more and more conservative, and she kind of shows her like you know religious background and stuff more and more. Like the books yeah, seem to be a little like more judgmental. Hitting- because like, she was getting closer and closer to a hundred fucking years old. I mean, she died. True. She died in her nineties. She died in two thousand twelve. I mean, oh yeah, and she so was writing up like, till two thousand five. Because she also, so yeah, she came out with almost lost the true story of an anonymous teenager life on the streets, uh, and that's the that's the rap one ninety six. And then nineteen ninety eight, she wrote Annie's Baby, the diary of an anonymous pregnant teenager, and uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's about teenage love, treacherous love in two thousand. I wasn't able to find much on that wasn't wasn't too popular uh then there's kim empty inside in 2002 which is about dealing with depression and then her final book her opus finding katie the diary of anonymous a teenager in foster care and that was in 2005 wow. just a uh, you know few years before her death so yeah these yeah. intensely heavy yeah. themes but all of it being made up and them getting a little bit more and more uh far-fetched as as time goes on you know a little bit further from because you know when she wrote go ask alice at least she had the experience of working in a mental hospital around you know troubled youth so like that was coming from a a real place yeah yeah, fresh face 50 yeah exactly yeah so so now basically there's a couple other things we're getting sort of to the conclusion of all this so one thing is we mentioned how popular it was in the 70s um and there's there's definitely been a, a later reevaluation to it, but it's kind of like an interesting one. It's funny how sometimes when movies get trashed and then later people are like, oh, this is a cult classic. This is like the opposite of that. <laughs> it was loved. And then now people are like, wait, this shit is garbage. Right. But, yeah. So part of it, though, with the lack of like 
sort of this like fact checking thing that we have now, which I mean, we can get into in its own sense, because now it seems like no one knows what's real anymore because everyone's fact checking, trying to prove. I don't know. It's right. It's like we, we care more than ever that things are real and authentic. Right. But we yeah. also put in less and less effort. We just like are kind of just yeah. like assuming it. You know what I mean? And exactly. then there's some people that go the other route where all they fucking care about is finding out like the realness or authenticity of stories and, and things true and yeah i mean that that happened i mean only a few years ago you know there was a big yeah. hoax scandal with a book like with similar kind of themes and messages yeah yeah and so the, so we we were talking about a million little pieces which we were we were like should we talk about it, it could possibly be its own dump because there's so much going on here but for those who don't remember that book you know this guy james fry it's like it's kind of like his own first person account of all this crazy drug rehabilitation stuff that right happened, it, it was became re- released as a book. memoir yes anyway that within years like a very short amount of time it was realized that he you know m- embellished tons of the book and it kind of it was very public that like oh this guy like made this stuff up and she sparks avoided that because it just was believed for so long and then it kind of just sort of faded out or something. And I mean, I don't know what it is exactly because maybe because it just was so popular in the 70s and now you just don't reach it. It doesn't, I don't know if anyone necessarily cares if Go Ask Alice is fake anymore or something or it's it sort of, that's yeah, sort of no, the dump of it, you know? The book is more like, I mean, it's in culture dump territory now. Like it's not like there's yeah. so many other books that are so much more relevant now. Cause now if you were to show like a, a YA reader, you know, someone between the ages of 13 to 17, like a book about the perils of drug use and, you know, you know, sexual promiscuity and all that kind of stuff. You, you need to include like the internet and you need to include cell phones and you need right. to include mm-hmm. like modern things in the way kids talk yeah. now. And the book just doesn't, it doesn't hold up like that. It did for decades. Yeah. Decades, but now mm-hmm. like society is just moving too fast. Kids are growing up way too yeah. fast. Like the book is more of like it's it's retained its shock value, but that's about mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? It's right. still like kind of like, whoa, this book's fucking intense. But like right. in the context of it being written for kids, a, a book like Go Ask Alice written for kids of the 2000s would read much differently. Exactly. But again, I read it when I was in middle school, and I think because it got the the authenticity claims kind of went under the radar. And so it did have this effect of for at least like multiple generations of kids, it got passed around as like this thing. And it was still popular even in the 90s. Um, And it wasn't really until like the 90s that once there was sort of finally like a public opinion shift and reviewers started to be like, okay, I think this is fake. And when you read it, like it's fake, it's a garbage, it's poorly written. It's right. like teenagers don't sound like that, but it, it, it took like 20 years kind of for that to happen. Um, and I even found like a source where some critics in the seventies said that they hated the book, but that they felt like it was disrespectful to the dead to critically trash it. So, I mean, this yeah. whole idea of it being real is like, it was, it really like it was very effective in that right. sense of making people think so. Um, so that's pretty much it. I had a little section about like all the impressions we've had of it, um, some of the themes of the book, uh, but we covered, you know, most of that. The one thing that we didn't necessarily talk about is that um, one thing that happens is in between her drug binges, she is pretty Christian. And like when yes. she's sober, she's praying and talking about God a lot. So again, think of this in the Mormon context and it's like 
drugs are bad. God is good. Right. The only, the only, the other, only yeah. way you're happy is when you're closer to God, because obviously yes. when you stray, you end up, you know, fucking being, you know, taken advantage of and, you know, hitchhiking to fucking Portland in the rain and writing your diary on bags and uh, mm -hmm. things, things of that nature. And uh, exactly, you know, all, but then the all only that. Yeah. The only other thing is just to sort of exp like just to go back to the, the homosexuality elements of there's kind of this weird thing that I definitely didn't catch when I read it the first time, but that the idea that when you're on drugs, you like give in to your homosexual urges. But at the same time, there is the Richie bitchy with the two guys that we mentioned. Right. But the, the narrator herself has multiple moments of being attracted to women. Right. Well, she's kind of got like the bro very conflicted mentality about it. Yeah, exactly. I think she's got kind of like that bro, like douchebag mentality about it, where she's mm -hmm. like, "Ew, two guys, but like two chicks is all right." Because <laughs> right. <laughs> she like to she totally damns bitchy Richie, but like it's totally all right for her to want to flirt with, uh, you know, with her gal pals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it, it's like when you and so that's what was fascinating to read it then and then to revisit it now, and it's just like it's like night and day. And I mean, I. Will never read it ever again because it is. I mean, Once it is just good. bummed me out. Like it didn't. Like I think in the at the time when I first read it, it scared me. It shocked me. It affected me. This time, I because now we're like, man, we don't like this character. We don't like her. She kind of sucks. She's and like so annoying. I just, yeah, I'm really glad this is out of my system because she's just. She's a bummer, man. Yeah, I'm glad she's we went and asked Alice, but I think I got my answer this, this time. <laughs> yeah. th this yeah. time through. But also, again, folks, this episode happened so fast. Like, we're like, let's do Go Ask Alice. Okay, right. next day, book arrives. Okay, two days yeah. later, finish reading the book, watch the fucking movie one day later on the fucking mic. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it is written at a uh, young adult level. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, the yeah, book's Yeah, I shouldn't pat myself on the tiny. back too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, dude, Not I read Go of... Ask Alice in two fucking days. What'd you do this week? <laughs> right, but it's still, it still was a trudge for me. I mean, because it, yeah, it's just... But really, I think I think that's pretty much our conclusion of it. That's yeah, about absolutely. All I've, this all is I've a got. it's a huge Big culture dump. dump. It, you know, yeah. Big dump in the making. 30 plus fucking, you know, I mean, several, several decades. Only after 25 to 30 years did the cracks even start beginning to show in the, you know, again, the facade of Go Ask mm -hmm. Alice and Beatrice Sparks. And I think what it means is, you know, like books like this are Im immensely important and fiction is impactful and important. But when you're talking about such serious themes that you're claiming are a real thing, you're it's misleading. It's wrong. There's a million people out there with real stories that I'm sure people could learn a lot more more from rather than making it right. up and having the you know a kind of bias lean towards all of the themes because you're not actually speaking from experience you know and you're mm -hmm. writing it from the perspective of an older conservative lady who is like I'm, I think it's pretty safe to say fairly judgmental about any mm -hmm. young teenager that would be part of any counterculture movement or going through you know any angst fueled experimentation so it's like yes it's a silly book worthy of being a culture dump, but it was important and it got the reputation and the success that it deserved when it deserved it. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Excellent. So I think 
we're gonna close it out now but after we do our uh, normal little plug here we're each gonna read one of our favorite passages from the book go ask alice written by anonymous aka probably beatrice sparks aka most definitely beatrice sparks if you want exclusive content from Culture Dumps and Podcast 99, please sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash culture dumps. Please also follow us on Instagram at culture dumps. And if you have a suggestion for an episode topic, feel free to email us at culture dumps at gmail.com. I'm Ryan Lichten. I've been joined by Parks Miller, and we'll talk to you next time. Oh, damn, damn, damn. It's happened again. I don't know whether to scream with glory or cover myself with ashes and sackcloth, whatever that means. Anyone who says pot and acid are not addicting is a damn, stupid, raving, idiot, unenlightened fool. I really don't understand how Roger could have done this to me when I've loved him for as long as I can remember, and I've waited all my life for him to see me. Yesterday when he asked me out, I thought I'd literally and completely die with happiness. I really did. And now the whole world is cold and gray and unfeeling, and my mother is nagging me to clean up my room? How could she nag me to clean up my room when I feel like dying? Can't I even have the privacy of my own soul? <laughs>